Thanks for tuning in to the Direct Access to Oxford Physical Therapy podcast, where we talk about your body, how it moves, and empowering you with the knowledge to manage and treat your pain or discomfort. You will also get an exclusive behind-the-scenes look at a successful private practice. You have the questions, and we have the answers. Now let's get moving. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Direct Access to Oxford Physical Therapy podcast. I'm your host, Matt. And your co-host, Allie. Thanks so much for joining us again. Today, we yeah. are going to give you direct access. I think we that like, I just believe that someday we're going to get through an episode without having to mention it. Never. <laughs> you know, we talk about a lot of different joints and a lot of different problems, and every joint is important, but none may be as important as your big toe. Really? So much so, Allie, that they call it the great toe. They do? Yeah. It's called the great toe. Like the, the great, great pumpkin. Toe. That's right. <laughs> So today we're going to have a special guest on, Dr. Michael Keel, podiatrist, yes. talking all about the first toe and different injuries and surgeries. And for those who are new listening, Dr. Keel did do a previous episode with us about plantar fasciitis. So you can go back and listen to that one. Um, but we'll get him on the phone so we can talk to him more about this really yummy topic that we're about to get into. <laughs> so hold tight. All right, everybody. We have Dr. Keel joining us as a return guest on the podcast. Welcome, Dr. Keel. Yeah, thanks for having me. Why don't you give our listeners just a little bit of background, Dr. Keel, on uh, on yourself and kind of your practice? Yeah, so I'm a podiatrist or a foot and ankle surgeon here in the Cincinnati area. Um, I've been in practice now just over uh, 10 years. I did my uh, schooling up in, uh, or excuse me, or residency up in uh, Columbus at Grant Medical Center and then came into private practice with Cincinnati Foot and Ankle Care uh, starting back in 2011. So in practice, uh, see anything from uh, any pathologies uh, that involve the foot and ankle or anything uh, below the knee, including fractures, Achilles tendon injuries, uh, and then some of the stuff that we're going to talk about today, including uh, the first metatarsal phalangeal joint or the big toe joint, including bunions and arthritis. Well, that's awesome. So, yeah, that's... uh... That's a great lead-in. I mean, what we kind of wanted to talk about today is, you know, the big toe. And seems simple, right? But <laughs> there's so many problems that, that surround it. So what are, what are some things you see in your practice around the big toe? So the big toe joint, like you say, is a complex joint. So it has on the bottom portion of the joint, there's these two little round bones called sesamoids. And they work, I describe them to patients as a pulley system. And there's tendons that run through uh, through those bones, or, and they run underneath the joint, and it helps for flexion of the joint. Uh, then you also have a tendon on top of the joint uh, to help pull the toe upwards uh, towards the ankle portion. And the joint itself, uh, I always tell people, is like a bubble, and there's a capsule around that joint that uh, holds the fluid and then uh, allows for a nice smooth motion. But uh, there's a significant amount of pathologies that can occur around that joint, uh, bunion deformity is probably one of the most common that I see. Uh, there's also arthritis, um, sometimes mm-hmm. condition called sesamoiditis, which is those little round bones on the bottom can get inflammation around those or stress fractures in those bones and even things such as turf toe or like a hyper extension where the big toe is really pushed up that we see with like football injuries. Yeah. So lots of lots of different problems can arise. Uh, one that you mentioned, I know, is, is pretty common. I know a lot of listeners have probably heard, but 
why don't you give us a little bit more information like on bunion and exactly <laughs> what that means and you know how's it start and how do we treat it it's just such an ugly word <laughs> <laughs> right right so with with bunions and some people don't even know they have a bunion but what a bunion is is where most people their big toe will start uh, going towards their second toe and they'll have like a, a bony prominence or uh, right at the base of the big toe and it kind of starts to jut out or stick out at that area and that bone there comes from what's called the first metatarsal and the metatarsal is one of the long bones on the inside portion of the foot and we have five of them that go all the way across but what happens is the metatarsal starts turning and then the big toe then turns opposite going toward the second toe and then you have that protrusion or or eminence as we call it at the side of the foot. So most people with those types of conditions come in complaining of difficulty with shoes, rubbing the area, causing redness, or sometimes they don't even complain of the bunion. The, the big toe I described to patients becomes a bully and sometimes can push under the second toe which then causes the second toe to curl up and patients will come in complaining of pain at their second toe because it's rubbing in the shoes and they're having difficulty. So some people get limited range of motion at the big toe joint. Um, and those are things I assess as a patient comes in with a bunion is, you know, what is the range of motion at their big toe joint? Is there any grinding or clicking uh, or, or signs of arthritis at the big toe joint? Where is most of their pain isolating or coming from? And does the treatment that you're, um, you know, thinking about in this situation vary with someone who's maybe, um, you know, younger, say 25, 35, 45, versus someone who's at, you know, 65 or 75? Yeah, absolutely. So when we talk different treatments, and a lot of times it's surgical when we get when we talk onions. I mean, most patients, by the time they've come in the office, they've already uh, tried different shoes, wider shoes, or some type of padding uh, on the side where that bump sticks out, or tried to put some type of splint on their big toe to hold it straight. So most people, by the time they're coming in, have tried most of those things. So we talk more surgical uh, procedures at that time. So yeah, depending on age, I mean, some people who are 85 years old, you know, you don't talk about doing an aggressive reconstruction with the bunion. You do more of kind of shaving the bump down, which doesn't necessarily sure. correct the deformity of the bone or the positioning of the bone, but helps get rid of a prominence that's causing difficulty with their shoes. But, you know, the toe doesn't necessarily change shape with that or, or positioning as well. But, yeah, we see bunions. I mean, I've done surgery on juveniles as young as 13, and yeah. I've done surgery on people up in their 80s and probably low 90s in regards to, to bunions. But, I yeah, it definitely that. changes based on age, but nowadays with a lot of the corrections that we can do, uh, I'd say I'd probably do most of the same type of correction for anyone uh, from okay. their 20s up to, to 70s. I don't, I don't really, as long as they're they're physically able to do the recovery, that's, that's my main thing. So yeah. I assess the bunion the same way on a 25-year-old that I do on someone who's 65 and, and, or 70, and more or less the surgical decision that we make is on the older patient is more based on can they uh, do the recovery process because some of the surgeries being more involved require patients to be non-weight-bearing, which can be um, the hardest part of the recovery course. Right, right. Now, you mentioned that with the corrections and people trying to make their own splints and stuff, do you recommend people trying to do that themselves? You know, as far as they make, they sell over-the-counter like bunion splints and stuff like that. And 
most patients or, or people uh, will find that they don't really, they work while they're on, but once you take them off, they don't maintain the correction. So I always tell people it's a structural deformity. There also is um, some soft tissue deformity, but mainly by the time we see them, it's more of a structural where the bone is out of alignment. So you can wear those splints all day long. The second they come off, eventually it's going to go back to the same positioning it was in. So I'm not a huge fan of like the necessarily the splints that people try to wear overnight to correct their bunion. But as far as like there are some uh, toe spacers and things that people can use for comfort, uh, like a gel spacer that would split their first and second toe um, to help give a better alignment at the big toe joint. And I know people that use those for running. Um, and that right. can, oh. can buy them time because a bunion surgery, I always tell people, can be done whenever. They didn't break their ankle and we have to do it tonight or tomorrow. It's one of those that, you know, you want to make sure uh, the time is right, the recovery. You know, you can go through the recovery process without, um, you know, too much intrusion on your lifestyle or work. And uh, and so we can ab- we're able to work with them on their schedule and figure that out. So. Uh, it's main, you know, I always tell people it's when it's painful enough and I can't make that decision for them. I mean, I can take x-rays and tell people, hey, you know, your bunion is, is mild, moderate, severe, but I have patients who at mild bunion have severe pain. So, I mean, those are fixers, sure. but I have people with severe bunions who have minimal to no pain and those are ones we don't fix. So, it all varies on the patient. We're not treating necessarily just the deformity in the x-ray. So, you have to make that decision, you know, with seeing what they're looking to get out of it as well. Right, right. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the spacers and, you know, different activities because I know some patients early on or, you know, may have mild pain uh, only with certain things like uneven ground or running. And I know, uh, you know, some patients I've talked with in the past, we've been able to teach them taping techniques or, you know, like a compression sleeve or something like that to use only for certain times. Just as you mentioned, you know, give them a little bit of support, buy them a little bit of time and, you know, get them further down the road, so to speak. Absolutely. And I mean, orthotics are another thing that we use at times. Orthotics in our literature have been shown to slow the progression of the bunion deformity. So um, it also is a way that we can help offload or take pressure off of the uh, big toe joint area. So in regards to bunions, they work, uh, you know, they work pretty well in keeping some of that pressure off and helping uh, people probably push off or prolong the time that they would need, or I mean, until they actually have surgery. So yeah. You know, so as as far as that goes, and like I say, when we make the decision on what surgery we're going to do, I mean, a lot goes into it. It's not just we, we measure angles. We look at uh, the mobility or what we call the hypermobility, if there is any of the first metatarsal. And those make uh, have us make different decisions on what we're going to do and the ways we're going to fix the bunion because there's multiple ways uh, to fix bunion. So it's mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of what's going to be the best for that patient. Yeah, take us through, um, you know, when we're talking about the first MPJ joint here, take us through kind of, um, you know, what might be indicated if we talk about a fusion versus a joint replacement. Yeah, or, or like an implant. Yeah, so yeah. what we look at for um, for arthritis, basically we get, a, we get an x-ray, and a lot of people will come in and think they have a bunion. They'll say, oh, I've got a bunion, I've had it, it's been getting bigger uh, uh-huh. over the last two years, three years, and then you take an x-ray and there's, when we look at an x-ray, I always tell people, I mean, you should see a nice black space between uh, the bones, and that's where the joint is, and that's the cartilage and stuff in there. But when you get arthritis, you get bone on bone. So when we assess that, there's different grades of arthritis or, or stages, one through four, that we look at. And once again, I go more on, 
you know, how is the patient feeling. But treatments in regards to the arthritis, uh, conservatively, you can talk cortisone shots, anti-inflammatories, or orthotics once again. And then if those fail, then you look into, like you said, potentially a, a first metatarsal phalangeal joint or big toe joint fusion or a potential implant. And I think most patients are hesitant when you when you talk fusion, uh, but most patients don't realize that the condition that they have, we call it hallux rigidus, which basically means the big toe joint barely moves. So it's already when, you, when you explain <laughs> to them and show them like, hey, you only have about 10 degrees of total motion at this point now and it hurts, if we take that 10 degrees away, essentially your symptoms should go away. So when you show, uh, you know, the, that there already is that significantly reduced motion, most patients, uh, you know, then they're more apt for the fusion. The fusion is a gold standard for the arthritis. Um, the sure. implants are something that I reserve, I would tell you, more for uh, the elderly population. Um, and mm -hmm. I don't want to say way elderly. It just depends on um, whether or not the people can go through the recovery course of the fusion. And mm -hmm. there's different types of implants. The implant that I personally use is kind of, it's called a hemi implant um, or a first metatarsal head resurface implant. So it basically fits over the, the and kind of caps the metatarsal versus putting a gel implant into the joint that has uh, motion. So you're taking away a portion of the joint so you don't have uh, bone on bone. Yeah, um, but mo sense. most patients that we, we use those on do very well. They do maintain some motion. And I have patients who have, I'd say, more of the moderate uh, arthritis. And, I, you know, you do those on some people who want to try to, you know, females especially, if they want to try and wear a shoe with a slight heel or, or something like that to give a little bit more range of motion. Um, I always tell Allie's people, taking notes right now, Dr. Keel. <laughs> I wasn't right, going right. to say it. <laughs> but I, I never give guarantees on that. I always tell people, I say, you know, what your motion is now, I mean, it hopefully we'll get a little more, but hopefully we'll maintain at least what you have. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, long-term, the, I guess, one of the complications or long-term complications with an implant versus a fusion is that you can potentially get some bony overgrowth on the implant and potentially have to go back in there and clean out. Um, the joint once again, or sometimes even remove the implant and, and do uh, a fusion at that time. But most of the implants uh, uh, that we do do very well. Um, but th like I say, the, the most common procedure, I would say, is more the fusion uh, over the implant. And that's more so just because the, there's such limited range of motion. The arthritis is to a point that it's so severe. And then that also alleviates the likely need for a uh, secondary surgery down the road. Yeah. But the nice thing about an implant is is the recovery. I mean, people are in a boot for about four weeks, and then they can kind of move on about life and getting back to activity, where if we do a fusion, uh, you're in a boot upwards of uh, eight to ten weeks, uh, and it's a little bit longer recovery. So. Yeah, that's what you answered my question. I was going to have you outline kind of what post-op looked like for for the different uh, patients, but that's great. I have a question. Yeah, does, it, does this usually happen on one foot or both feet at the same time? Most patients that we see, it's one foot over the other, but some patients patients do have it on both feet. Um, you know, one of the leading causes for it is what we call long metatarsal or a little bit longer than normal metatarsal that can cause. Uh, but also bunions and things have a, a large genetic component to them as well. Someone, you know, grandma, grandpa, or someone down the line had um, 
had bunions or hammer toes, and, and a lot of patients will come in and say, oh, I got the same foot my grandma had or, or, or whatnot. And, <laughs> so it's, it, it, it's something that we see pretty commonly run in, in families. But, yeah, the arthritis most times is, I would say, more often than not one-sided. Bunions tend to be both sides, but there's usually one side that, and it's not always, but a lot of times when we see bunions, a lot of people have them on both sides, but one side will be worse, and usually – uh, if they do have them on both sides, it's usually only one side that tends to bother them uh, significantly. Now, every once in a while, some patients are so severe or they let them go for for so long that both sides are hurting and, and you have to do surgery eventually on both sides. Sure, sure. You mentioned um, when we first started about, um, you know, the sesamoid bones, bones on the bottom of the great toe there and like turf toe and, um, you know, that injury. So, Take our listeners through a little bit about what is that injury, what does it look like, and, and how do we treat that? A lot of times with that type of injury, we call it more of a hyperextension. So um, if you're in a squatting position um, and, and putting pressure through the big toe joint where the big toe joint's going to want to push up, um, we see it uh, a lot of times in athletes, runners, football players, where they're pushing off of that uh, location. Um, a lot of time they'll come in and be complaining of pain more on the bottom part of the big toe joint. And then when we have them actively take their toe through range of motion, they'll get pain uh, with a lot of times with both extension and flexion of the toe because those sesamoids uh, are within the uh, the tendons on the bottom and it's all affected as one unit. So when everything is moving, they're in pain uh, through there. So a lot of them will come in and say, yeah, I took off a couple of days, it felt better, and then I went back and it started hurting. But unfortunately, the, the main, the main uh, treatment a lot of times is more so the immobilization. Mm-hmm. And, just, and it doesn't have to be necessarily a big boot, it, even just a surgical shoe that keeps the big toe joint stiff and allows it, allows it to heal. And a lot of the diagnosis, if we need to, we can always get an MRI to rule out if there's any uh, tendon or ligament uh, damage as well, or is it just a true uh, hyperextension injury? Um, I have a patient right now who had a hyperextension injury, and she actually tore the ligaments on uh, that connect the, uh, the fibular, which is the outside sesamoid bone, and it totally displaced the sesamoid. So that's pretty rare, um, oh, but yeah. can definitely happen. Yeah. Well, I think we've done a great job outlining pathology around the the great toe. Is there anything that we haven't hit on that you think is is relevant or anything you commonly see that we didn't talk about with the big toe? Yeah, I mean, I think as far as the big toe, the main thing is, you know, the arthritis, the bunions, um, sometimes, like I say, the the hyperextension or the capsulitis. One other big Mm -hmm. thing, um, which is more of a metabolic issue than it is necessarily a structural issue, but is out with the big toe joint. Yeah. Um, and that's yeah. something that we see quite a bit of in the, in the podiatry practice. Uh, it's a big toe joint, usually one-sided, that gets real red, hot, swollen, and comes on out of nowhere, um, and essentially treated with usually steroids or a cortisone shot or some type of anti-inflammatory to calm that down. But some people come in thinking they have gout, and they may have more uh, it's just regular inflammation because of the arthritis or something like that. So we have sure. to work that uh work through that with the uh, workup of, of the patient. Yeah, once you examine them. You that podiatrists are just angels. This all sounds like such a stinky subject. <laughs> <laughs> it's an everyday job. No, we see it every day. So, no, it's uh, the stuff that we see is, uh, it, like I say, it's, it's different every day, and each patient is different. You can see the same thing 10 times, but 
each patient may be treated a different way just depending on, uh, you know, what they're expecting and what their lifestyle requires. And, and that's the one part I enjoy about it is that it is a constant changing thing, even though you're seeing a lot of the same pathologies. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, Dr. Keel, thanks so much for being our guest. Yeah. Uh, one more time, just let our listeners know where you practice and if they need to seek your help, where they can find you. Yeah, I'm with uh, Cincinnati Foot and Ankle Care. I've got an office in Fairfield as well as Mason. Um, our website is cfac.net, uh, and you can find all of our locations. Our, our group has approximately 18 offices around the greater Cincinnati area, so there should be a location near uh near you wherever you're living at but uh, personally i practice out of the fairfield and mason locations awesome. well, fantastic well thanks again for yeah. being our guest and really appreciate it and absolutely and i want to clear up that i don't have a bunion even though i do like wearing my heels <laughs> <laughs> just to clear you that up for everybody oh gosh <laughs> well, well fantastic <laughs> all right bye now guys see ya bye well, I think that was great information. I think it gives our listeners a lot of, uh, you know, good topics to think about. Yeah. Um, the main thing I would encourage folks is remember you have direct access. So if you are having a pain in your toe or foot, um, you're welcome to come into physical therapy. Let us check it out. It may be that we would help facilitate getting you to see someone like Dr. Keel or take a look at that toe. Or as I mentioned in the episode, sometimes some taping techniques or um, you know, other things, you know, can help along the way in the early stages and, you know, help keep you active and keep you doing what you like to do. That's right. And you just had to slip it in there right again, didn't That's you? That's right. <laughs> well, thanks again for tuning in, everybody, right. and we'll be talking to you soon. We'll see you, to you next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. You can find us online at OxfordPhysicalTherapy.com, and you can also find us on our social media pages like Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and TikTok. Remember, you do not need a doctor's referral to receive physical therapy in the state of Ohio and Kentucky, where we offer double the care for less than half the cost. You can schedule appointments online or stop into any center for a free screen, what we like to call a bee visit. Please write a review, send us a comment or message on our social media platforms, and until next time, keep it moving!